Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you get our uh, weekly newsletter or just announcements, uh, then you have seen that the topic for this evening is equanimity. And I've been talking a lot about equanimity lately. Uh, it just feels like it's the right thing to talk about. I might have given a talk on equanimity in the last couple of years, so, um, but I don't think you can overdo equanimity. You can't have too much equanimity. It's, it's a kind of an oxymoron. Um, so I'll be sharing some thoughts about it, some teachings about it, and I thought that we could have this as a kind of practice orientation as well. Uh, so we'll be doing some equanimity practices as, uh, as we share the, the evening. I just gave a, 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 led a day long in equanimity and then gave a talk on Sunday at Sangha Live uh, on it. Uh, so it's really in my, uh, in my consciousness. And with these crazy times, this is probably what is called for as much as anything, along with compassion and clarity and love. But equanimity is, is so crucial these days. So much is going on. A new variant around the corner, who knows what's next and are we getting together? Or are we not getting together? Are we, uh, Spirit Rock is super, super uh, cautious around the, this retreat coming up and people are getting tested the first day and the fourth day and there's a quarantine room in case something happens and it's like, whoa, we better really take care of this. And, and so there's um, anxiety and uncertainty in the air and certainly with all the other factors of political polarization and climate every day looming on the horizon uh, or being present in our, in our world, um, how to stay balanced in the middle of it all. It's like we're on a, a roller coaster ride of unpredictability. And of course, that's the nature of reality. One never knows. You don't know. I'm just, I probably shared it before the, the teaching from uh, the great Korean master Sung Sung. His main teaching is just keep don't know mind. You know, what's going to happen next? Don't know, he would say in his, his the Korean accent is so endearing. What's it all about? What's the meaning? Don't know. And he would say, just keep don't know mind and be open to everything. Because if you get too caught up in thinking, oh, I need to figure it all out and have it all together, it's a sure setup for um, imbalance and uh, being thrown because we don't have control. So equanimity is understanding we have very limited control over 
what's happening, certainly over what's happening next, but even what, what we're living in right now. And with equanimity, which is another way of saying uh, balance or centeredness, we can transform that tendency to feel overwhelmed into um, a caring and a concern that is uh, that is very uh, spacious and able to be here for all the ups and downs of life. In the Pali, the word equanimity is upeka. That's how it's spelled. Upeka. It's the in Spirak there are four dorms, the Brahma Viharas is Metta, Karuna, compassion, uh, mudita, joy, and upeka. Oh, I'm in upeka. You know, when you when you register and you say, Oh, what room are you in? Oh, I'm in upeka. Oh, good. It's just an ongoing reminder. Oh, that's that's a good thing to keep in mind. <clears throat> and equanimity or upeka is an essential quality in supporting the three underlying principles of the Dharma, which are do no harm, act for the good, and purify the mind. So when we have equanimity, um, and we get triggered, instead of reacting and doing things that we might regret, uh, it prevents that reactive mind. Oh, instead of, ah, oh, okay, you can open to reality without getting overwhelmed and reacting. And acting for the good, it allows, because equanimity creates some space in the mind, there's a wisdom that can shine through. And equanimity deepens all the wholesome states and, uh, and it weakens the unwholesome. Uh, that's one of the properties of mindfulness. Equanimity is right in mindfulness where you're not grasping at the pleasant or pushing away the unpleasant or uh, getting confused by, by the neutral. With equanimity, you are, um, when there's a difficult state, there's a space to hold it. And when there's a, a beautiful state, then you can experience it without getting spun out. Mm. Equanimity appears in many lists in the Buddhist teachings. Uh, and it's always last in whatever list it appears. It is in the four Brahma Viharas, as I said, it's the last there. In the seven factors of enlightenment, mindfulness, investigation, and energy, and joy, and calm, concentration, and equanimity. The last. It's always the last. In the ten paramis, perfections, I won't go through all of them, but the different qualities of of someone who uh, is on the path of awakening, starting with uh, morality or generosity and, and uh, virtue and patience and 
many other things, uh, truthfulness, loving kindness, equanimity is the last. Uh, it's the last of the four uh, absorption states, uh, jhana states. The fourth one is high equanimity. And it's also the precursor to enlightenment in the stages of insight, all the different uh, places that people go in their practice, culminating in high equanimity, which is the kind of ground of being out of which uh, awakening happens. <clears throat> it holds all the other intense feelings and it also holds the uh, all the Brahma Viharas, the other three, the uh, loving kindness and compassion and joy. And particularly it keeps it keeps them from getting spun out into um, what's called the near enemies with loving kindness instead of um, tipping over into attachment with equanimity you love but you are not grasping and you're not fearing there's just an outflow of love with joy when it's really strong you can feel that joy but not get spun out and intoxicated in it. And with compassion, particularly equanimity is so valuable, particularly for these times, that instead of your heart breaking for the world, with equanimity, you are able to keep your heart open, but you can remain centered. And that is a tremendous gift to everyone when you're going, they're going through a hard time and you're able to stay centered, you have that much more to offer and calming them down and being them being there for them, so that there's a, a sense of um, centeredness that's actually contagious. And I, I brought down from uh, upstairs, my uh, statue of Kuan Yin, who is as I often talk about, she's the embodiment of compassion, held with equanimity. She's sitting and she's ready to leap to answer the cries of the world. But look at how relaxed she is. Her arms arched outstretched. Ah, yes, this is happening. And I can be here with this. So that's the, uh, the, the beautiful archetype for equanimity. And another expression of that is the, the serenity prayer that says, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So the serenity is that equanimity, but it's not apathy. The near enemy of, of uh, equanimity of Upeka is apathy or indifference. It cares, but um, there's a courage that can enter into um, into action, but there's also a calmness when one is not able to change the circumstances at hand. Okay, so how does equanimity work? Um, 
I mentioned before about the, uh, just a little while ago, about the seven factors of enlightenment. And those last three factors, calm, concentration, and equanimity, are all qualities of stilling. Calm is a kind of settled stillness. This is the way I see it anyway. There's a settledness in it. Concentration is a kind of focused stillness. And equanimity is a spaciousness that's here for all the ups and downs. But it doesn't mean that you find your center and you stay there. It's just like riding a bicycle. You don't find your center in riding a bicycle and say, okay, this is how I how I'm supposed to stay centered. No, it's a continual adjustment so that there's balance. So it's not that it's that it's bad that you uh, that you sometimes get thrown off balance, but equanimity reminds you to come back to the center. And when there's a sense of, mm, I'm feeling off, then you simply ask, oh, what do I need to come back into balance right now? I'll mention a few qualities, a few more qualities, and then I'll, then we'll do some practices. So equanimity it takes courage because with equanimity, you're willing to open up to the whole show. Sometimes we're not ready to open up to things when they're too, too much or too intense, uh, too intense. So you want to also have some wisdom to know what your capacities are, know your uh, window of tolerance, as it's spoken about in um, in trauma work, you don't want to go beyond what you can handle, but you don't want to be numb or shy away from what um, what you can come in contact with to learn and to grow. But it takes courage to say, okay, this too, let me experience this too. I'm here for everything. I love the, the image of the Buddha who is there touching the earth before his, his enlightenment and just saying, you know, as Mara is throwing all kinds of um, distractions from arrows of Mara's army to seductive celestial nymphs to doubt. And there's the Buddha there through it all and touching the earth and getting grounded in the earth as the earth is my witness i can i have a right to be enlightened and i can be here for everything and the the buddha images where he's sitting sitting so peacefully in meditation that's what we're doing when we're when we're meditating when we just spent this time together i hope you get that it's it's not about getting the perfect meditation. It's about being willing to be here for anything. So it takes courage to simply allow for things to be as they are. That's the, the definition of Vipassana meditation, seeing things as they are, seeing things clearly. And so 
this is one quality of equanimity, that allowing and showing up for it all. Ajahn Sumedho has a, a simple equanimity phrase that really encapsulates it all. Oh, it's like this. Oh, fear is like this. Sadness is like this. Joy is like this. Wanting is like this. Not, oh, how terrible that's there. Get rid of that fear. Get That doesn't do it, but just there's a spaciousness that says, oh, and here's angry Buddha. That's what I say kind of on, on retreat in the middle of, of, of a, a meditation saying, yeah, but he really did do that. And then I get aware, oh, and it's just anger coming to visit. Here's angry Buddha. Anger is like this. Mm. And when we're not able to, not ready to open up to things as they are, when it's a bit too much for the system, then equanimity uh, needs to, uh, mm, you have to cultivate a sense of, uh, of composure uh, and collect yourself before you can simply be with uh, things as they are. And it might mean self-compassion, or it might mean uh, going for a walk, or it might mean uh, doing whatever you do to get some grounding. It might mean looking around and just getting grounded in that or feeling your body sitting here. Or it might mean if you're feeling so frustrated and about how things are to open up in gratitude. My wife, Jane, has been having a, a gratitude practice for many years now. And when she gets triggered, one of her main practices, she does this on retreat and outside as well. And she can get into, yeah, that happened. And she says to herself, okay, Jane, Fifth, name 15 things that you're grateful for right now. That's her little practice. She says it with love. Okay, Jane, come on now. 15 things, 15 things that you're grateful for, 15 blessings. And she starts naming them in her mind. And by the time she's gotten to 10 or 11, she's chilled out and has forgotten at least the, uh, uh, the triggering. The thought might be there, but she's calmed down a lot. So those are different ways to, to understand how you can bring about balance. Another aspect of equanimity is accepting the possibility that things won't work out the way we hope. That dukkha is the first noble truth. And suffering is, um, is part of life. That's why the Buddha said every day, think about the five reflections that you will become old, you will become sick, you will die, everything and everyone near and dear to you, you will be separated from, and you are the owner of your actions and habits and choices. He says, think about that so you're not so thrown when life happens in a way that was unpredictable. <clears throat> it also means that 
you have to let go of thinking you know how things won't work out too that's the other side of the coin you know oh i know we're all doomed and um you know certainly with climate there's no way around that there's going to be a lot of suffering but if you say we're all going down the tubes i know where this is headed that's also thinking you know how things are and so you have to let go of of thinking that you know it all even when it's gloom and doom because we wake up through dukkha that's why the buddha taught the first noble truth come to terms with suffering so you can wake up through that suffering there's a poem i love from uh, dana falls every step is holy she says the journey from the known to the unknown from the real to the from the unreal to the real is rarely revealed in advance the potholes detours false starts and quick retreats are each honorable and even needed in the bigger scheme in the forest that can't be seen between the trees it took years for me to realize that the very twists and turns and shadows I labeled problems were really sacred ground. Grace disguised as obstacles. The whole pass a pilgrimage, mysteries bearing themselves before me all along the way. A pilgrimage, mysteries bearing themselves before me all along the way grace disguised as obstacles. It usually takes dukkha to wake us up. So not to think, oh, this is some awful mistake by the universe. No, this is part of our um, collective curriculum or personal curriculum. And with an equanimous heart, we can have wise engagement we can learn to listen to the truth and hear the um, the wisest appropriate response instead of acting out of our um, reactive mind. What Gandhi um, called the truth force, Satyagraha, or Gandhi, uh, or uh, Martin Luther King. We just had Martin Luther King's birthday. What an amazing example of centeredness right in the midst of adversity and danger. What an inspiration. And that's the beautiful thing. When we can find our own balance, then that becomes contagious for others, like Thich Nhat Hanh's image of the calm person in the boat, the boats that made it through the treacherous journey, the boat people uh, leaving Vietnam and escaping, the boats that had one calm person were the ones that made it because that is contagious. So your centeredness is contagious. So I wanted to try uh, share with you very briefly a few practices that you can you can include in your meditation practice, and I'm sure you do to some extent already, 
but we can do these mini practices. This is what I did in my, my day long. Um, so you're going to have a day long in about, oh, 10 or 15 minutes here, uh, at least practice wise. So one quality of equanimity, as I said, is just allowing for things to be as they are. Doesn't matter if your mind is spaced out or if it's busy or wandering, or if it's um, lost in a, in a thought that you, you've gotten triggered by, when you remember to just let it be how it is and meet it with a kind awareness. That's the Sumedho practice. It's like this. So try this with me, please. Just get into a meditative posture. This is going to be a very short sitting. So we're going to do a few of these. And oops, hold on a second. And for the next minute or two, allow whatever your experience is spaciness, busy mind, reactive, whatever. It's like this and simply allow. Ready, go. Relax and let the moment be just as it is. No resisting, no trying, just allow. And let yourself come out gently. And um, just how about, let's see, let me do this. Uh, um, if you would like, we I, I want to get through a few of these. So um, don't want, we'll hopefully have time for conversation later. But right now, uh, put in the chat box, if you would, any observation of what that was like for you. What was it like for you? And we can just as a community collectively 
feel our experience. Pleasant, very pleasant. Feel like I could feel each moment come and go quite rapidly. Found myself still trying to control my mind. And that's okay. The, then the equanimity is, let that be okay. Okay. The mind, oh, look at the mind trying to control itself. Busy mind settled easily. Spacey to spacious. Pins and needles in hands. Heartbeat. Just the way things are. Busy, distracted. And let it be okay, however it is. That's the key. Calm, abiding, yeah, beautiful. Just a couple watching the wall space. Okay. All right. Uh, one last one. It felt calming. What was bothering me became less bothersome. Yes, that's the key. Okay, I'm going to close the, the chat for, for, for now. Uh, there's a, an image in the, um, in the teachings of um, how spaciousness makes all the difference. And the, the, the Buddha gives the image of, if you put a teaspoon in a glass of salt, sorry, yeah, if you put a teaspoon of salt in a glass of water, get, get this right, um, it's pretty intense, it's pretty salty. You put that same teaspoon of salt in uh, a clear pond, fresh water, clear water pond, it's not going to be salty. That's how equanimity works. When there's a spaciousness, you can have anything in there and the awareness can, can hold it all. As my uh, good friend and colleague, Carol Wilson uh, says, I, I love to quote her on this. She says, awareness doesn't care. Now, awareness cares, there's a caring in there, but awareness doesn't care what's arising in it. Fear, confusion, anger, love, awareness can hold it all. Okay, so that's something to just keep in mind when you sit, just try that from time to time, completely allowing for it to be how it is, not resisting at all. Okay, second practice that you can consciously include in your meditation. Equanimity is really based on the understanding that everything is changing. And because everything is changing, there's nothing to hold on to or nothing to fear will stay. Impermanence or anicca, um, I think most of you are familiar with that word, but just in case, anicca, which is the Pali word for impermanence, is a doorway to awakening. And when you are tuning into impermanence, it can be a very profound way to practice and you start seeing things aren't as solid as you thought. And so one in-breath, instead of, oh, here's another in-breath, another out-breath, and uh, I know what that's about. When you tune into impermanence, especially when the 
mindfulness is is sharp or precise, then it starts being one in-breath has many, 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 many moments. And when you see that, that's one of the beautiful things about being on retreat when the mindfulness gets sharp and you see, oh, things aren't as solid as we think. And it all starts to dissolve that solidity. When you get that from the inside, then you see holding on to changing experience is a futile prescription um, for suffering, a sure prescription and futile. As Joseph says, holding on to changing experience is like rope burn. You're getting burned as the, as the rope goes through your hands. So let's try this as a practice, okay? For the next minute or two, I invite you to look at your experience through the lens of impermanence. So here you are sitting, you might notice in-breath turning into out-breath, or you, then you might notice, oh, and here's a sound, oh, and here's a sensation, oh, and here's a thought. So there's impermanence within the breath, for instance, and there's also impermanence in different sense doors being um, uh, activated, stimulated. So ready? Just try this, okay? Take again a meditative posture. And for the next minute or so, notice whatever your experience is through the lens of change one moment after another ready go Notice how it's all changing. every moment, one after another. Just relax behind that. Okay, once again, come back. And once again, uh, I'll 
open up the chat box and if you'd like put in whatever your experience is what was that just noticing through that lens of change if you would just um, offer your experience in the chat box Hmm, uh -huh. a lot of spaciousness, not a lot to hold on to, ungraspable, scattered feeling, yeah, that can be there too, okay, and then you be with that. A bit unsettling, terrifying to notice things changing so rapidly, still lots of thoughts, less identification with the thoughts, beautiful, yeah. So, uh, one thing about noticing change, no eye to hold, a sense of, a sense of freedom, yeah. One thing about noticing change, uh, you have to do it in a way that is uh, peaceful or uh, able to feel centered and relaxed. And here's an image that you might find helpful when you're looking at, at change or looking through this lens. Just imagine you're at the side of a road and your task is to count all the cars that are whizzing by. If you're looking at each one and you're saying, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one, you're going to get tired really fast. But if you just gently have your gaze across to the other side of the road, they go by and you can see them, but you can be calm and relaxed as you see that passing show. So the idea is to have a, a stillness, a centeredness that's noticing change, but not getting tossed by it. You are the centered awareness that is knowing it all. Okay. Okay. One last one, and then we'll open it up. We're not going to get to do uh, all five that I had, but that's okay. Three will give you a good start. So a third aspect uh, of equanimity or a third um, uh, entryway into equanimity is the second foundation of mindfulness that the Buddha uh, taught in the four foundations of, of mindfulness. Um, the second foundation after mindfulness of the body, we've spoken about it here before, is called Vedana. And Vedana is noticing the feeling tone, the flavor of experience, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Every moment is one of those three. Usually, when things are pleasant, we grasp after it and want to hold on, get attached. When they're unpleasant, we have a version, want to push away or contract from it. Or when they're neutral, we can space out and get confused about things. So the Buddha said, remember, this is the second foundation. He put it that important, even before uh, tuning into thoughts and mind states. And he said, just notice the pleasantness or unpleasantness or neutrality of experience and if you can notice it, 
before you get into reaction of trying to capture the pleasant or push away the unpleasant, you see that passing show and there you are in the center without having that reactive mind. Okay, so let's just try this. Uh, our last one, and then we can hopefully have some time for some comments or questions. Again, get into a meditative posture. And just for this next minute or two, for a moment right now, before we start, just notice right now, is this a pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral moment for you? There's, there's no wrong, just whatever it happens to be. Okay, and now for the next minute or two, keep on noticing, see if it stays one way or another, or if it, if it changes, and notice it without getting caught in a reaction to pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Go. Pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, whatever it is. Just look through that lens. Okay, I hope you can get a sense of uh, the power of not getting caught in the reaction and simply seeing, oh, this is an unpleasant moment or this is a pleasant moment. So before we open it up to uh, a few moments of some uh, conversation, I'd like to ask you to reflect on one more thing. When do you get thrown off balance in your life? Is it reading the news? Is it a situation at work or at home? Is it in caring about someone? When do you tend to get thrown off balance? And in your wisest moments, what helps you come back into balance? And what would you need to remember? Suppose somebody could whisper in your ear, remember, yeah. what would help you come back into balance and centeredness and equanimity? And I encourage you to remember that, maybe even write it down, what the magic words would be to 
get in touch with your own wisdom and practice that this week. Okay, so um, yeah, you can you can put in your actually that's a great idea. You can put in your um, uh, in the uh, in the chat box what helps you remember, perhaps uh, what helps remembering I don't have control. Uh, we can keep on uh, putting in entries, but let's open it up to um, some conversation in the minutes we have left you can raise your hand if you want uh in the reactions box um there down there there's the raise hand um quality uh, or uh, icon or un unmute yourself and anybody have any comments or questions observations Um, don't be shy. Yeah, David, hi. Yeah, oh, unmute yourself, okay. Can, uh, did you want to say something? Is that, can you unmute yourself? There you go. Um, I just have a very dramatic experience. Uh, tomorrow will be a month uh, since I got the liver transplantation. Since you got what was it? Liver transplantation. Okay. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't hear it. Liver transplant. Oh, a liver transplant. You got a liver transplant a month ago. Uh, when I think about my experience, would it be possible to have unpleasant, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral? Because waiting for the liver was unpleasant. The operation was very successful, so that was very pleasant. Mm -hmm. But the things in the after operation that come to my body are very hard, so it's unpleasant again. But I try very hard to stay balanced. So. I call that neutral. Um, yeah, that's exactly how it works. I, I you know, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't ask about that for when you did that uh, minute or two. Uh, I, I wonder if people saw that even in the minute or two, it changed. It could change. How many people noticed that it could change in that minute from pleasant to unpleasant to neutral, whatever. It's always changing, yeah. Even when you're having a good time, there can be a, you know a, an itch on your nose or a, you know. So that's the small, minute things. You going through what you're going, what you've gone through, that's huge, and that's where it's so important to just make space for it all. I I, I would imagine you're feeling a lot of gratitude okay. in there. Yeah. And it's not easy going through the adjustment or there is wondering if it'll all be successful. All of those things are are human. They're part of being human. And that's where you make space for it all and honor it all. And that's how you can make the trip. 
exactly. And uh, best of luck in your in your healing and recovery. Anybody else? Anything else? <laughs> Going once. It's almost time. Going twice. Okay. Well, maybe that's uh, that's enough for now. The other, the, I'll I'll just mention a couple of the other uh, uh, practices that support that. One is a spaciousness of mind that tunes into the awareness itself uh, without being so object oriented, but being the awareness that's knowing everything and just having everything arise and pass away in the field of awareness. A very powerful way to practice is just noticing the movement of mind towards or away from anything. Uh, and it's all happening in the space of awareness. And then there is a formal equanimity uh, meditation and phrases, and you can read about it in Sharon Salzberg's book, Loving Kindness. She goes through the four Brahma Viharas, but you can simply even call on balance. May I have balance right now? The mind is very suggestible and it's it responds much better to an invitation than to a command. So just calling on balance. Oh, may I have balance in this moment? Or finding, uh, remembering someone who inspires you by their centeredness and their balance. And that's another way to access that, that channel. So I really encourage you to practice it this, this week going, you probably have your share of ups and downs uh, if you're human uh, and if you're awake in these, these days anyway, make space for it all. Don't miss the blessings. Don't get attached. Don't be overwhelmed by the challenges. They're all part of your curriculum. So before we go, take a look at the at the um, screen and wish everyone well. Here we are, all good people. Maybe smile and wave. Hi. All right. We're all together here. Um, and send a little loving kindness. May you all have a good week. May we all have a good week. Somebody is sending it to you, so let it in as well. And may our sharing the evening together, um, all the good that comes from it, uh, be shared with all beings everywhere for the benefit of all. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.